0: Hello and welcome to Imagine America Radio, a service of the Imagine America Foundation and Imagine America Publishing Company. I'm Bob Martin, the President and CEO of Imagine America and very pleased to host today's show. Imagine America Foundation was first created in 1982 for the purpose of helping American students understand the immense opportunities available to them in pursuing a career in the trades. For the past 20 years, I have directed the activities of Imagine America and had the opportunity to provide financial aid and assistance to more than 180,000 enrolling high school and adult students. Right now, America faces a massive skill worker shortage. Frankly, this is a recurring problem that I have seen throughout my more than 35 years in the workforce development field. Good paying jobs and careers are awaiting American students right now in the very important career areas of healthcare, information technology, mechanical, business, and arts. Imagine America Radio wants to help our listeners understand these opportunities and how they can begin preparing for careers in these fields. Today's podcast is being sponsored by Universal Technical Institutes. Universal Technical Institute, or UTI, is the nation's premier educational provider of automotive education and training at 12 campuses nationwide. UTI is also a 20-year partner of the Imagine America Scholarship and Award Programs and has provided financial aid assistance to more than 15,000 enrolling Imagine America students. Our thanks to UTI. We hope you enjoy today's podcast sponsored by Universal Technical Institute.
1: Today on Imagine America Radio, we'll be focusing on skills gap and how the workforce is evolving. Exploring the current growing skills gap and understanding what major manufacturers are looking for in the new workforce. Joining us today is Rich Guardy. Rich Gardy is the Director of Education and Operations at Universal Technical Institute in Sacramento, California. He has worked in higher education for 20 years and is an advocate for skills trades and technology. Rich oversees the auto, diesel, Collision and Manufactured Specific Advanced Training, or MSAT, programs at Universal Technical Institute. Thank you for joining us today, Rich.
2: Thanks for having me, Lee.
1: Now, Rich, the skills trades are changing. Technology has transformed transportation and fabrication industries, creating exciting career opportunities for those with the right skills. For example, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that between 2016 and 2026, The number of job openings for auto and diesel technicians will exceed 1.2 million. Right now, the transportation industry is undergoing a major transformation, and it's rapidly evolving, with enhancements in electronics and computers on vehicles, et cetera. A high school diploma used to be enough to get a job as a mechanic, especially if you had vocational training in high school. But today's automotive technicians, however, need advanced technical training. Cars are complex today. Master mechanics commonly face problems that would have required an engineering degree a few years ago. New powertrain technologies, hybrids, infotainment systems, electric powered vehicles, and advanced engine design are just a few of the issues today's technicians face every single day. So Rich, we're hoping you can give us some insight into the skills gap issue. What type of changes do you see happening for major automotive and diesel manufacturers? And why is there a growing demand for skilled technicians?
2: Well, Lee, it's multifaceted. I think starting off, you hit on a lot of them already just in that narrative. Um, You know, when you think about technology and the way technology is moving today, it's not affecting just one industry, it's affecting all industries. So when you're looking at that ever-changing technology, there has to be education to provide what that change is. Um, You know, I'm not taking anything away from high school programs and we work with a lot of our high schools and their programs, but we bridge that gap for what's not being done in high school and to hit the change that we're seeing with technology Um, on top of the technology aspect. If you look long-term, fuel costs are just consistently rising. Uh, In the last couple of decades, that makes a lot of change for manufacturers because they need to update their fuel system technology and get their engines more efficient, and then obviously it helps for the vehicle's cost of fuel, so on and so forth. Uh, I think another big one that comes in, definitely not last to what we've already listed, is just emission standards. Um, You know, there's a big focus on the environment across the country at this time, and emission standards are constantly changing depending on the state, and that also, again, demands the industry to make change to what they have with their vehicles. You're, again, looking at that change, and there has to be a gap that's bridged, and that's where we feel UTI plays a large role in that. We are consistently trying to stay on the cutting edge of what happens in the industry so that we can provide the education to all of the students we have going through our programs and then in turn as they step out into the industry they're more prepared for what's happening at the time and not necessarily things that are taking place five ten years ago
0: mm-hmm. you, know, you know rich this is Bob um, jumping back in um, you know you talk about these changes I'm fascinated by the this admission admission issue I see it everybody sees it that's going to be listening to this podcast they see it every day when they're driving their car when they're getting their uh, their safety inspections work whether appropriate. But what I'm interested in, what I want to follow up on is if you take these these changes that the industries, how how are, how are you able to adapt to? I mean, I mean, do you are you using advisory groups or or what is it you're using internally within your own organization to accommodate those and to acclimate your students to those?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. And you know, UTI has been around since 1965. And over a long history of what we've done with our campuses and as we've expanded around the country, we've had to stay connected to the industry, and we do that in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, we have our business alliances through our home office, and they work consistently with all of our manufacturer partners. And we have. A lot of those partners, obviously, and we've consistently worked with those partners for years. Uh, In addition to that, each one of our campuses on a biannual basis performs a program advisory committee. You know, and that's what you mentioned, Bob. Do you have advisory committees? Uh, We do. We work with our PACs, which we call Program Advisory Committee or PAC for short. And that's how we get what's happening in the industry. The, the PAC members are made up of a bunch of different areas. They could be uh, technicians in the industry. They could be employers that are partnered with us. They could be part of the manufacturers that are partnered with us. And as we have those biannual meetings, they take place for each one of the programs we have. So for us here in Sacramento, auto, diesel, and then collision. And as we have those meetings, we pretty much talk about everything that we offer as far as the programs. So we talk about our program objectives our program outcomes our program length we talk about curriculum content we talked about our facility we talk about the safety of the facility and just the overall learning environment Um, and with those biannual meetings it allows us to document feedback provide minutes um, and that's all put together with our campuses through our home office. And then when we see something in demand and we're getting it from more than just say one or two locations, then that's something that we're gonna look at our curriculum and start to put into the curriculum what those changes are. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a nice cycle that we just consistently use. And that's what keeps us kind of right on that edge of, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we need to be doing.
0: So so are these groups, uh, and I wanna follow up specifically on this, I get really confused. Bob Martin does when we talk about skills gap. So what I think I'm hearing is saying, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that you use these groups to help you identify the skills gap, if you would, uh, that that the employers are telling you is out there. In other words, what they need, and, and then that and, and then that that is then translated into your curriculum. Am I right?
2: That is that, that is accurate. That is correct. Yes.
0: Okay. So really. What do you think is causing this whole skills gap, just generally? Because that's the topic of the overall session here. What do you, what, what's your gut tell you is causing this skills gap problem? Is it a lack of communication? Is it a lack of outreach? And what, what do you think?
2: Well, that question comes towards me, Bob, and I've had that question come multiple times. Um, to me, the biggest thing that makes the gap is just the ever-changing environment of technology. You know, we're in a time now where, again, technology is just a constant change. Um, You know, that we'll always joke about, you know, you get a new computer and as soon as you buy it and get home, that computer is old and obsolete and you need to get the next one. And when you're looking at technology and you're seeing that consistent change, that's what's continuing to keep the gap there. Um, you know, If we were in a world that never changed and everything stayed the same, then we could fill the gap and we wouldn't have to worry about adjusting to wherever that gap is. Uh, we don't live in a world like that. We do live in a world of change, and because of that change in technology, that to me is that critical piece of this is what creates the gap. And then us as educators, us as UTI, it's our job to fill that gap. It's our job to do the research, to have those program advisory committee meetings, and to absorb in anything we need to continue to fill that gap. Yeah.
0: So, 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 if you've identified the gap, you, you're articulating it to your your instructors to get it out there. What would you say if I were to say, if I were to say, hey, you got all these young people coming in, all of them absolutely enthralled about getting their careers going, want to come here, want to do, what are the one or two or three things that you think are absolutely critical skills generally that, that you would convey to them, say, no matter where you go, you better have this and this and this and this. We can do it here, but no matter where you go, this is what you got to come back, come out with.
2: We would call that the, the fundamental baseline. And for all of our students that go through the programs, we're always telling them that you have to have a basic electrical knowledge, a good understanding of that knowledge for diagnosis and repair. You have to have a basic computer computer operating and diagnosing capability. And those are twofold and kind of underlined through our curriculum, because just about every one of our classes is always going to hit on those fundamental skills, if you will. And those fundamental skills, regardless of the direction that a student can go once they graduate, those are the ones that they're going to carry. And it kind of gives them that foothold, if you will. That's that area that says, if you have this skill, it's going to be enough for you to get your foot in the door. And then, of course, you track in the direction of the company that you're working for.
0: Now, con- conversely, you, if the, the consumer, and that being the student, uh, can then say, "Well, what can you do for me, School X or School Y? And can you do this for me? And if you can't, or if I can't, if I'm not confident you can't, then I move down the road, don't I?"
2: Yes. Yeah, it could work that way, Bob. And I, I think you know, with this, with this question. And the the way it can be looked at, you know, we can pinpoint a lot of different areas and we can focus to say one or two topics. But I think what UTI does as a whole, and you have to look at the entire cycle of what we do, it, it really is just a full circle for a high school student coming out. And starting at UTI or even for somebody that's been in the industry for years and then coming to UTI. The full cycle of what we do is providing them a baseline of information or a baseline of education in all different areas, but those areas from our program advisory committees are focused to the industry demand. So even for someone who might be in the industry for a long time, they could be doing the same thing, working at the same company, and they've never really gone outside the box of that. You know, when you look at our programs and you look at what it provides across the entire curriculum, you're getting a good baseline across the board that hits the demand in a lot of different areas. So in other words, it's opening up a lot of doors to a student and not necessarily just one or two. Um, you know, when you ask the question to pinpoint one of those fundamentals, you know, I'll always go back to that electrical knowledge, being able to diagnose and repair, and then basic computer operating skills, and again, being able to diagnose and repair. But outside that, you know, you have to look at the full spectrum of our programs, and and they touch on just about every area that an automotive, a diesel, or a collision student, once they graduate and get into the industry, are going to be touching. Um, You know, one of the one of the lines I use a lot of students when I'm talking with them is, you know, UTI is going to allow you to succeed and then you proceed forward. And that's the goal for them. You know, we want to fill the gap as far as what the industry is asking for. But I think it's the full cycle of what we do with our programs, you know, what we have with our facilities, and then just the history of UTI for what we've done over such a long period of time. I do feel we're providing the best education you can get in the industry we're in, and we continue to fill that gap. We continue to graduate students, and we continue to put them out to the manufacturers that we're partnered with. And then, again, even to, you know, the local area market, you know, the smaller mom-and-pop shops, if you want to call them that, um, because there's a demand there, too.
0: You know, uh, it, uh, now it leads me right into the next, the next issue, where the rubber meets the road, and that, and that's that's the instructors, because you can have all this, all these other things going on for you, but if the instructor isn't isn't uh, current, up to date, and whatever, uh, and can relate to these young people, uh, you got a problem. So tell me about your instructors. What makes the UTI uh, instructor different than the
2: others? Well, for UZI instructors, Bob, and I can talk across the board on this one, it doesn't have to be specific just to the Sacramento campus because we are under all the same guidelines. Our instructors are all required to have a minimum of five years experience in the industry. I can tell you for the most part, it's rare that we have someone that's even around that threshold. We normally have people that have at least 10, if not 15, 20, or more in the industry. The other demand that comes into play for us is our programmatic accreditation. ASE Education Foundation. ASE stands for Automotive Service Excellence. The programmatic accreditation that we go through with ASE is also for our instructors, so not just our programs, but then also the requirements of an instructor. So an instructor, along with needing the five years of experience in the industry, they also have to be ASE certified in the subject base that they teach. We can't put an instructor into a class if they're not ASE certified for that particular course or that particular subject. Um, So we're consistently keeping our instructors up to date with those certifications and that happens across the board for all the campuses. Um, And then our instructors will push themselves even further because UTI has a standard to where we want to keep all of our instructors master certified. Um, Now I will say not every one of our instructors are, but we're always pushing our instructors as a goal to be master certified and that's more or less where they're certified across the board for ASE certifications. And I think that is really what separates our instructors um, you know, from anybody else that you could say is competing with us or is just in that same industry or education with us. Um, I do feel that we are a step ahead when it comes to that based off ASE and based off the demand and the goal that we set for our instructors on an internal basis.
0: You know, if they, if they haven't walked in those shoes, how, you know, how's the student going to relate to this individual? I think you're right on. This whole certification thing gets me to the next area, my next question, real quick, and that has to do with uh, advanced, advanced certification, advanced programs, because because I know that uh, UTI is is known for their specialized programs. In other words, if you're a, you come in and you're a really good student at, in automotive tech, uh, you might uh, be eligible to enroll in a Mercedes program or a Lexus program, or, or there's probably other ones for the electrical car programs now, but. Tell us a little bit about that because I think our audience needs to understand that coming into coming into a, a UTI facility, getting your education is just your first step in how you guys have a multiple step plan in place if they want it to move on in move on up and make pretty good money.
2: Correct, Bob. So yeah, UTI as we run it and it can be different for each campus but we have what we call msat programs or manufacturer specific advanced training programs and pretty much what that does is each MSAT is single to a partnership we have with the manufacturer. So for here in Sacramento, we have Ford and we have Toyota. And for those particular manufacturers, we're following their certification guidelines with our students when they come out of our core programs. So your core programs would be your automotive or your diesel or your collision type programs. But when you move into an MSAT, you're taking the core base and then going further with a training that is specific to the manufacturer. So for our Ford FACT program example, um, it's, it's a five-course setup, so 15 weeks that they are going through Ford training. Uh, for our Toyota certification or manufacturer-specific advanced training program, you're looking at four courses. So they're going through a 12-week training. But those are set based on the manufacturer. So that's not something that UTI builds as far as the curriculum. We're following the certification or the training that the manufacturer provides. Um, It's definitely an additional step to our core programs. Um, I wholeheartedly would say that it does give any student that goes through an MSAT a better advantage in the industry because they're much more prepared just based on the level of the training. And I would also say that they don't specifically have to work, say, if they go through Ford to work for Ford or if they go through Toyota to work for Toyota. Now, that is the normal path, if you will. But that doesn't mean that they stay with that particular manufacturer. It could end up taking them further. Um, they could go to an additional MSAT and just continue to build their skill set. Um, but that, that's what we're looking at when you say a manufactured specific advanced training program or an MSAT. That's, that's that extra step that we're connected with the industry on, and it's a huge value to the students.
1: All right. Now, Rich, now what about the importance of certifications such as auto and diesel programs that are master certified by the ASE Educational Foundation. Is this important uh, in consideration for today's technicians uh, as, they're, as they're coming into school and getting their training?
2: Certifications are just an, a, another plus. Um, you know, it's very important because it shows that they're passing a test on a specific area for a certain level of their skill set. It demonstrates the knowledge for that skill set. Um, I'm happy to say that UTI provides – I shouldn't put it that way. I'm happy to say UTI has – ASC Education Foundation come to the campus on a quarterly basis and they proctor ASC certifications. So that is not something that UTI does. It's just we play the venue and they come in and they have a proctor on site and on a quarterly basis, they perform the tests. So it's an opportunity for our instructors if they need to renew. And it's an excellent opportunity for our students because if they've gone a certain distance in their program and they feel that their skill set is in a good place, they can begin. Taking the certifications while they're still in school, and that's just a convenience for them while they're here. And I talk about it at every orientation. Our employment services director Matt Ralston talks about it at every orientation. But obviously, that is going to just build the brand for the student and their resume prior to graduation if they begin that certification process.
1: All right. Now, this is more of a uh, general or a broader uh, question, but how has the profession of a skilled technician evolved from a job? to a career with advanced potential?
2: Well, I got to go back to the technology aspect. Um, You know, technology doesn't stop evolving and technicians have to stay up to date with these changes. Um, And again, if they're not looking at the changes and they're not advancing themselves on those skills, it kind of puts them in a stagnant role. Now, for some, that can work and it can be their career. But for others who are continuing to evolve and they're continuing to move up or wanting to move up, those people, as they continue to change with that technology, they're going to end up being what we would call the industry leaders. They're going to be the ones that are those front runners, really setting the example you know, for what the changes are in technology, but being able to lead that change. You know, that's a consistent message that we keep with our students. You know, they, they have to understand that change is inevitable technology is going to be part of that change. So even when they graduate, that level and that skill set has to continue to rise. They have to continue to push themselves and become that leader in the industry. You know, and I'm, I'm happy and proud to say working for UTI that we have many of our graduates that are out in the industry and have been for years, and they are the front runners in that area. They are the ones leading that change in the industry.
1: All right. Now, finally, before we close, I have one last question. And it may be sort of touching on a lot of what we talked about uh, during this podcast, but why is addressing the skills gap important in our community?
2: This one kind of hits me twofold. Um, And, and I say that because for, for myself I've been in education for coming up 20 years and I, I always felt that when you're in education, you're in the industry that makes all other industries possible because you're teaching in that direction. Mm-hmm. So to me, education is just automatically partnered with communities because when you have that education stance and your goal is obviously a focus to a particular industry or field, but then also just your overall focus to the young men and women coming out of high school looking to advance their education, and not just on the industry that they go into, but just also in life. I think that's rewarding, and I think it's automatically coupled if you think about education and community. They go hand in hand. Um, When I think about UTI and the role it's played in communities since 1965, um, you know, I would say it's second to none when it comes to the industry that we're partnered with, you know, we continue to graduate students. We continue to, to keep that gap closed so that we're taking these young men and women as they're coming out of high school, or maybe it's somebody that's been out of school for a while and they're looking to go back to school, start over as far as a career or just refresh as far as their skills And again, connects them back to the community that they're in. Uh, Specifically for the Sacramento campus, um, we're we're what we would call a destination campus. We have students that come from all over the region, but also from the northwest. Um, You can go over towards Idaho as well. It it keeps going into that direction. Um, But we're looked at as a destination campus. So for a lot of the students that come here, they come here specifically to go through our programs. And then they go back home. And when they get back home, they're affecting the community that they came from. And again, I, I, you know, that's that, that's that twofold piece, if you will. It's education to me has always just been partnered or coupled with the community that they support, but they're really supporting the community from wherever the students come from. And if those students after graduation decide to go back,
0: you know, Rich, this is Bob again, uh, that gets to another whole topic that, uh, we'd love to explore with you on another episode of magic America radio. And that is that we'd like to really, uh, talk to you or people like you about the kind of students that are coming in and where they're going back and how you're impacting their lives. We think that's, that's really important. That's a really important message that we can say. So, uh,
2: Lee and Bob, I, I've enjoyed the conversation. I'm definitely open to, you know, furthering the conversation down the road, talking more about, you know, what UTI is doing, the things we're changing, evolving, you know, and then obviously any other topics that you guys have, um, you know, that we can affect, you know, I, I think that's what it always comes down to.
0: Well, you know, just working with us in 20 years, you've affected 25, 30,000 students that we've helped together. And I got to believe that that's, that's had a mass impact on uh, communities all over the country. Uh, so I just want to thank you. I've enjoyed the conversation, maybe got a little bit off track, of, but I think we, we hit the, we hit the points that we wanted to hit. I'll let Lee close.
1: Yeah, thank you for your time, Rich. And We hope everybody enjoyed this episode of Imagine America Radio. If you'd like to learn more about Universal Technical Institute, please visit their website at www.uti.edu.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Imagine America Radio. We hope you found it informative. For more information about future episodes and the Imagine America Foundation, you can go to our website, imagine-america.org forward slash podcast to subscribe future podcasts and to get information on the many programs offered by the Imagine America Foundation and Imagine America Publishing. Please subscribe today so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. For now, thank you very much for joining us and best wishes.